I'm covering the icon issue. I got issues. Yeah, bitch. I got issues. W Vogue Cosmo. I got issues. Hey. <laughs> you sound a little more excited. Please. No, I'm not excited. I'm annoyed. She came in there like. <laughs> I know. And I feel like this is really me, y'all. Like, I feel like I'm this monotoned, bland <laughs> And I'm girl. just the over-dramatic, over-excited host. <sighs> I Love literally have to turn on my enthusiasm. <laughs> Please, turn it all the way up. Although, turn it up into the anger section, since this topic is more about how angry we are today. It's more of a frustration-type topic. So, yeah. it's not exactly happy, happy, go lucky. But guys, welcome back. And if you are listening for the first time, thank you so much. Take a second. Give us five stars. You love us already. Don't lie to yourself. And then for those of you <laughs> those of you who have been listening, shout out to you guys since day one. You're the GOAT. We appreciate it. And those of you who have given us reviews, thank you so much. You make it easier for us to find, um, for other people who want to listen to our rants, our discussions, you know, how funny we are. <laughs> so thank you so much. And yeah, so doing, doing. <laughs> Since you're yes. not happy today, we already know. <laughs> yes, you already know I'm the what one that got the problem. What is the problem? What is it? What is it? <sighs> Tell us. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> For the fourth time. <laughs> I know. This is a really hard topic to discuss. And honestly, like just putting together my notes for this episode had me super depressed, super annoyed, super frustrated because today I really I want to talk about the hypersexualization of women and more specifically black women. I don't even want to say women. The hypersexualization of girls, it happens to women too, but it's mm-hmm. it's so concerning that throughout the course of a black woman's lifestyle from the time that she's a girl to the time that she's a woman, she's viewed in a certain light. She's objectified. Um, she's less respected. She's seen as less human and it, it can be very frustrating. And there's all these facts, facts and statistics to back it up. And there is a lot of research that even supports the notion that black women are way more likely than our white counterparts to be objectified and dehumanized. And it's mm. like reading stuff like that makes my blood boil. How How is a person not going to be annoyed, unhappy, and monotone coming to present information like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this all started from the time that before we were born, like this was all kind of predetermined for people like you and I, who are both women of color. And it started as early as the 1400s when um, it manifested itself through the act of slavery, when Europeans mm-hmm. started enslaving Africans. Um, Mm -hmm. a myth was started that black women are lust driven and were these, uh, were just a vessel for their sexual desires. Today, it sounds absurd, but you can still see the effects (laughs) till, till this day, you see people fetishize, fetishizing black women. That's not your favorite word at all. I can't say fetish. (laughs) (laughs) Fetish sizing. Now it sounds like you're sizing up a fetish. Oh, That's what oh my gosh, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it is really crazy that it something is. that happened in the 1400s is still impacting us today. There's mm-hmm. research that shows that if you and I were to work in a fast food restaurant, we would be more likely to be sexually harassed than mm-hmm. any other woman in, in there. Well, Black and Latina women would be more mm-hmm. likely to be sexualized than white women. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. And then before we even move on today, there's a quote that I found that was really related to this topic. It says, the most disrespected person in America is a Black woman. The most unprotected person in America is a Black woman. And the most neglected person in America is a Black woman. And this is Malcolm X. So it's very, um, I mean, I read it and I was like, well, I mean, I knew this quote existed, but I, every time I read it, I'm just like, Ugh, it's, it is depressing because I'm just like, I know, like, I know <laughs> I'm a Black woman. Trust me, I know. I've experienced this in my life and it's not exactly fun to hear or fun to discuss, but these are things that we, we have to touch on guys. And unfortunately we don't always come on here with, you know, the most exciting and the most funny topics, but they are relevant to your lives and they are important to discuss and put on the table. And just one of those things you have to get out the way, just, you know, kind of dwell in it for a little bit, experience it, remember it, know what it is about, and then, you know, move on and see what you can do more about it. So before before we actually get started, guys, Dwayne's ranted and we've given you some important information. Hope you stick around for the rest because it's about to get um, very educational and I hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. And very deep. Deep. It's going to have you in your thoughts. So I hope hope you're ready. If you're driving your car, turn down everything else except this podcast, all right? (laughs) I mean, how Get many ready. things can they listen to as, at once? Look, right? I don't know. Okay, people multitask, <laughs> all right? Put your windows up and stop hearing all the beats. <laughs> But before we get on there, we have our special guest today, Vanessa of the Rebrand, um, and she is going to tell us. <laughs> was that a cheer? Yes. <laughs> she's she's going to tell us. Yes. So she's going to tell us about her um, her business that she um, just came up with, created recently, and launched. Found so it. yes, go ahead. You have the floor. <laughs> yes, yes. Founded, created, launched, owner. <laughs> tell us, tell us more. <laughs> Hi everyone. My name is Vanessa. I am a PR um, publicist by day and by night. I really work on improving other people's brands. And so I started Rebrand as a way to help people, not just professionally, but also personally. Um, I, I have a lot of friends that have various businesses. I mean, two of my friends are on this podcast for one. And um, I think people would normally ask me to help them write things, help them review things. And I said, you know what, I think I can make a business out of this. Um, not to make money necessarily, but to really show people that there is value in having a personal brand and having a professional brand. And so if you are finding yourself at a crossroads in life and you feel as though, you know, you're looking to make that next leap in your career, or even as a person, if you're launching anything, or you just want, you know, you just want to really be noticed, um, get at me at rebrand.com. That's W-R-I-B-R-A-N-D. And I will help you. I am in the business of um, intentional and intelligent communications and so I always want people to be their best selves and present themselves as their best selves all the time awesome so thank you for that and when you contact her be sure to let her know that you came from the I got problems podcast so she knows you know who where you're coming from and just what's expected and blah 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 all that good stuff so um thank you in advance for uh you know using her business to build your business (laughs) so (laughs) That being said, let's get let's get to the, the meat of the whole thing, Doyen. So I'll let you take the floor, you know, G- give you a little more oomph to, to rant on. So go ahead. Let, let it all out. Tell us so- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I want to save enough time for us to actually have conversation and share some of our experiences as well. So I will try mm-hmm. not to delve too much into the facts and statistics because, you know, that's kind of like my thing and I like things mm-hmm. like that. But I'll try not to get too carried away my little nerd self. It's OK. But, the producer um, will shut you down. You know, you like <laughs> no, you're going to get a, a chat in the text box like stop talking. 
<laughs> but no, like I think a lot of the things for me that I was a little alarmed by is literally how young this stuff started and how prevalent it is. And like people that are the most educated, the people that you look up to, they also have this misconceptualization of black women. And I kind of want to delve into that because there was some data from the Georgetown Law School Center that was published that revealed that adults saw, and I saw this across the board, but this was one of the ones that actually had the data to back it up, that adults saw Black girls as less innocent and more adult-like, especially in the age group of 5 through 14. And I thought that, what? That's crazy. How can you see a five-year-old as less innocent and more adult-like? You I see mean, that happening nowadays. You see how the black children, you know, um, the stop and frisk in New York, where they actually stop and frisk young black children, and mm-hmm. they actually put them in handcuffs and treat them like they're, you know, grown ass 25, 30 year old adults, almost like they have no humanity in them. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty disgusting to watch. It's, it's actually it's disheartening. really disgusting. Um, and I don't know if either of you guys were, uh, watched Surviving R. Kelly. I didn't really Look, watch I was, it, so I, I, I was talking like... about that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna watch it. I Vanessa, did you know. watch it? I did. I watched the first version that came out on um, was it? It was on. It was on regular TV, but mm-hmm. I know Netflix has a part two. I haven't watched the part two because I think I need to know all I need to know about him. Yeah, because I I couldn't bring myself to really watch it. I watched snippets as I was like walking by and other people were watching it. But um, there was a juror from his 2008 child pornography trial um, where R. R Kelly was acquitted. And the juror Mm -hmm. commented and said that he didn't believe the testimony from any of the black women because of how they how they were dressed and the way that they act. And this is something that's so common. Uh, You hear this all the time, not even only in regards to black women, a lot of times with just women coming out and saying their story or reporting that somebody made them feel a certain way or did something to them that was inappropriate. And you hear people say, well, you shouldn't have been dressed like that, or you shouldn't have acted that way. And I thought it was crazy that our juror actually said it, verbalized that's saying that. that, hey, if you don't want to be raped, don't dress like you want to be raped. Like, hey, it's on you. Hey, you're wearing that short dress. Well, maybe if your knees weren't showing so much, you wouldn't have been raped. I know. It's crazy. Is it like, do men, do men have to walk out the house and say like, oh, I better not wear this tank top because I will be objectified no, they don't, today. They don't even think twice about it. That's like, oh man, I can see your, uh, I can see your dick print in those uh, sweatpants. So um, mm-hmm. maybe if your dick wasn't slanging in those sweatpants, you wouldn't have been you oh know, slapped gosh. in the butt, you know? <laughs> Sandra, you're so graphic. <laughs> I know you're trying to drive the point home, but you're so graphic. It's crazy. Um, but I also just wanted to last points before we kind of get into our discussion and touch on this on a personal basis. But I just wanted to touch on two different studies again that I found super interesting. Study number one. Um was a scenario where pictures of black and white women were displayed. Half of them were dressed in bikinis. Some of the other half were dressed modestly. And across the board, the audience member said that all the women that you showed us are equally attractive. Right. So then the researchers showed these pictures to audience members and they timed their eyes to see how, how long and how frequently that they were looking at the sexualized body parts of these women that are, that were wearing these clothing clothings and it was 
discovered that the participants mostly uh, sexualized and stared longer at Black women's sexualized body parts. And it dis- demonstrated that Black women are continuously sexualized and objectified to a greater degree than white women. So there's definitely research out there that says, this isn't all in your head, Black women. This is actually happening to us. But I just would, I mean, I know it's from all the way from slavery times, but it's just like, you would think that, I just don't know how that kind of thing can be passed on from generation to generation, where it's like women, women, there are different types of women. Okay. So it's like, why is this one specific group? So it's a concept. I mean, you know, like it's, women, it's there are women with bigger butts than some black women. You've seen white women with bigger butts. You've seen Spanish women with bigger butts, but why but is it that you don't black think women, of you know? white women as like an object, but they think of black women as objects like it's the same thing as how like people think of a traditional family as the man goes to work and the woman is supposed to cook and rear children we're still told that till this day even though black women are more educated than most other groups of people even though we're now making way more money than our counterparts so it's just like in terms of like who we live in like but we're still supposed to regard the man as the head of the family. We're still supposed yep. to want to have children and babies and cook food and do this. So it's like, it's a concept that has been passed down from generation to generation. Oh, that is so ugly. It's Yeah. The funny thing about this particular study is that the audience members were all white, but they were mostly women. So <laughs> the women were also sexualizing. You don't want to get me started. On. Other women. <laughs> um, study number two. There was another scenario in which photos of black and white women were were paired with words um, related to humans, animals, and animate objects. And for each of those images, the participants had a, had less than one second to judge whether the word was congruent with the image, meaning do you agree, don't agree. What they found is that black women were more strongly implicitly associated with animal and object concepts. Mm. And it, it indicated that black women we're greater, like more likely to be dehumanized compared to white women. You're wow. literally more likely to say that a black woman has the trait of an animal or an object rather than a white woman. So, Let me say something about that. Um, yeah. You know how now, for some reason, the word female has been normalized? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. So I, the thing is, every time I have this conversation with somebody, I literally have to explain scientifically female and male is a normal term when i'm describing a female cat in an experiment a female dog in an experiment a female human being in an experiment human being is our genus the cat has their own the dog has their own they're all different types so why is it that as human beings we've given ourselves woman and man to specify that we're human beings yet you've dehumanized us into the word female female and you don't hear you don't hear male do you often. no and i don't you, use it too casually. i don't use the word male I mean, i'm like i'm not like that. a male did that to me <laughs> exactly so even if you're saying it in a sentence it's so not normal like oh i was going to a party and a few males approached me like no but when you say hey i was literally if you say hey i'm going to a party and a few females approach me that sounds sort of normalized i hate to say it but it is very it normalized sort of do you know how many times in conversations people are like oh females always do this females always like women and what do you think the female women. is replacing the female <laughs> is replacing the word bitches let's be real it's replacing the word bitches yep. if you want to be honest with yourself because women have said so much shit about the fact that we don't want to be called bitches for the past five years they found a different way to categorize the word bitches under the word female which also dehumanizes us as women by taking away the characteristics that make us human beings you are not mm-hmm. telling me that as a female i can be a female dog a cat a cow anything <laughs> else basically so you're calling me yep. a female and you, you don't even have enough respect for me to specify that I'm a woman or a girl. 
you're specifying specifically that I'm a female of any sort of, of genius, any species, sort, right? Anything. And then when I have this conversation with people, they try to downplay the importance and then call it semantics. It's not semantics. Okay, because I'm not calling you a male. And what makes me more angry is in a sentence when somebody says, I saw a bunch of females going to a party and those men didn't let them in. Why would you use the word females and men in the same sentence? You literally just dehumanize an entire gender while Mm -hmm. uplifting the other in the same exact sentence. That says a lot. So it's really crazy how we're seen that way. And also, let's not even get to the point that it actually has to do a lot with black men. A lot of mm-hmm. white men don't use the word females, in case you haven't noticed. Like, I see they all do of that other, shit. They, they do other things. They do other things. They, shoot, their problems are their own. <laughs> but in, <laughs> in our own community, I noticed that a lot of black men casually use the word females more than mm-hmm. any other group. Oh, and it's pretty disgusting to me. And I'm so tired of teaching this. I hate... And when I do teach a few people and they learn it and, and they get the point and they're like, oh, I apologize. I understand where you're coming from. It get, it makes sense. doesn't mean they're going to change it today, but at least I feel like, okay, at least you get the point right now. If, yeah. you do, if you keep doing it, I hope you keep thinking in the back of your mind how you're disrespecting somebody else because you're trying to get a point across. And I hope that's what sticks to you. But not a lot of people get that point. And it, and it leads to your topic, what you're saying right now. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty annoying. And it, and it just pushes and pushes and pushes deeper into important things like being sexualized, harassed, assaulted, raped, yeah. like, because we're not all seen these things as are linked. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's so ugly. And it's just like, Oh, can we just get a break? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And to your notion, you said that like, Oh, they really started to replace the word bitch because we said we don't want to be called bitches. Well, I mm-hmm. actually also think that, um, we also started to take on the word bitch more, you know, like we call ourselves mm-hmm. bitches. And so it was no longer, a dehumanizing thing so they couldn't right. they could no longer say that bitch or this bitch i mean they still say it, but it doesn't have the right. same effect that it used to have because now we, we take we've taken ownership i think it does right we take ownership but they're replacing it with something else though <laughs> you call yeah. your mom a bitch and i call your mom a bitch it's not the same thing so i think mm-hmm. that we can claim that word all we want for ourselves and we know that it's a term of endearment but i think for somebody to say that they're not they can they can use it too because you're using it is is, is bs because yeah. you you have to have a level of fam- familiarity with somebody to do that, and people call their moms my girl, my sis, my bitch all the time. That's great for you. I think I think that's just the courage people lean on. And I, after you, after you've explained it to somebody, this is why you can't say this word, and they insist on saying, it, and then that person is just being like intentional, disrespectful. Yeah. I actually wanted to tap into a different question and that hit on a personal note. I hope you guys are ready to talk about this. I'm gonna ask Vanessa, our guest, first. When was the first time? you felt uh, sexualized and do you have any other stories even throughout your adulthood where you felt like man I was just sexualized and at Um, what age do you remember to be truthful I don't think I felt sexualized until I was in college Mm -hmm. um when I actually was sexualized I I don't know I, I would say probably as young as five years old because um that is the world that we live in but I I went through I came here to this country when I was in the sixth grade and I was very much the ugly duckling for much of my grade school career. Um, I didn't look the way other people looked. I didn't dress the way other people dressed. Like I, I had a mind of my own. I said what I wanted to say, but apparently something happened when I went to college and you know, that's when the guys started coming to me and I was like, Oh, that was mm-hmm. the first time I had to really stop and think, like, are you talking to me because you like me as a person? Or are you talking to me because you want something else from me? So I would say college. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, yeah. for me, I actually can remember as young as being like 
six or seven years old. Um, <laughs> um, I actually had something happen to me, and this is the first time I'll talk about it publicly. Um, I was supposed to be a bridesmaid at somebody's, not a bridesmaid, what do you call it? Flower girl. The young, mm. Yeah, flower girl at somebody's wedding. Um, at the last minute, we couldn't make it or something happened and they replaced me as the flower girl. You understand why I'm saying this later. It's not really relevant at this point, but it will become, it'll come full circle. So we end up being able to make this wedding and we go anyway as guests. And I'm walking through, you know how like at the end of a party, like when you were younger, you like just run around with your friends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like your parents are wherever they are and you guys are like running around the empty hall, mostly empty hall at this point because the party was mostly over. Um, so I was running around and then there was, um, there was a guy just sitting by himself at a table and I noticed that he kept staring at me. Um, and I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm a kid. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, man, he's freaking weird. And I noticed that he had like these oily ass lips. And I was just like, mm -hmm. weird, whatever. <laughs> I keep playing with my friends. Then he leaves where he's sitting, walks up to me, grabs me by the face and kisses me with his disgusting oily lips. <laughs> and I couldn't cry. I was very traumatized. I didn't really know how to process it. I couldn't really understand why a grown ass man with oily ass lips sitting down by himself at a party would just come up to me and do that. And at that Did point, I like the, the other kids saw it, but I think that we were all confused and we just kind of like all ran away. And wow. the rest of that party, I like was like grabbing onto the back of my mother's leg and was just holding the back of her legs. And like, she kept saying like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, I think I started crying mm -hmm. and she's like, Oh, explaining to the other adults there she's like oh she's just crying because she couldn't be the flower girl she's probably um, sad that she saw the other person that they picked instead of her and I did not give two shits about being the flower girl I just didn't know how to tell my mom that I had just been sexually assaulted by a stranger at a party I mean you were young you didn't even know what a sexual assault I didn't even know what it was I didn't even know what it was I was literally like like this was when I still lived in Nigeria and I moved away from Nigeria when I was like 11 or something and I was like at this point I must have been six seven years old like, I didn't and really did ever, understand that concept. Did you ever report it to her later on in life? No. Mm. I've told, yeah, that's, that's like, common, my husband. Though. I've told, like, uh, like a cousin. like, But I've never really Some people about it. never tell anybody but their therapist. That's, that's very normal when people experience situations like that at such a young age. Sometimes it takes a while for you to come to terms with it. And sometimes you just never come to terms or discuss it with anyone else but yourself. Yeah. I felt it's really pretty... gross afterwards, but that was right. my really my first time that I felt sexualized. But I I continued to feel that way um, throughout the time I was in Nigeria, and even when I came here, even though I was a nerd or I was weird, I wasn't the most attractive. Somehow, some way, there was always someone yeah. finding a way to sexualize me. Right, and I don't think I have a story like that that was very specific, but um, it did. I think it happened in my teens when somebody, I was very skinny. I had nothing going on, you know, like lanky girl. And mm -hmm. this one guy had told me that, oh, um, when you grow up, um, you're going to have, he was like, when you grow up, you're going to have birthing hips. He's like, you're going to make a great mother yeah. at like, oh, as a gosh. teenager. Like, yeah. He was like, oh, you know, you just have to gain a little more weight and you're going to have birthing hips and you're going to make one man a happy wife. Like, Who or said one, that? One, uh, like one, how um, old was the happy person? Husband. Um, he was much older. I was like, maybe, oof under 16 and he was probably like in his 30s like an uncle kind of oh god so yeah he was basically fetishizing me into like this wife and motherhood um 
yeah. status as at a young age when I haven't even graduated high school and I'm still trying to figure out how to pass my next class and go to choir practice. You know, like yeah. it was. How much yeah, of that you think is from like our upbringing though as Nigerians? Oh, so a much. lot, a lot. Like, so much. We all know. <laughs> Because I, like, I feel like it's either you're on one end of the extreme or the other. Whereas, like, I never had an incident like Doyen's, but like, I, I can, th- I just know men like that that would mm-hmm. totally take advantage mm-hmm. of her like even that. in your own family. They're, they're yeah, there. My mom, my mom was always cautious with that, and I never understood it. Like, you know, when you're young, you're in that point where you're like, "Ill men are gross," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So our neighbors, we had a neighbor, and they had two drivers. And one was always grumpy all the time. And one was like really nice and fun to be around. And um, mm-hmm. he would always call me my wife, my wife, my wife. And I never thought anything of it because I was young. Mm-hmm. And my, my the, the neighbors liked him. My mom liked him. And I remember one day my mom just asked me, she was like, has that guy ever touched you? Or has he ever like tried to do anything with you? And I was, I was not understanding what she meant. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. And then <laughs> when I put two and two together that she was like starting to ask me if I was like being abused in any way, I was like, ew, no. Yeah. And then like, I feel like I went on to have kind of like what you were talking about doing. I went on to have an adolescence that was very, um, I started feeling as though like there was something wrong with me and the fact that you know I was I was skinny, I had no boobs, I had no butt, like I when everyone was going through puberty, I was I was like a ruler, I was a pencil. And I, mm-hmm. I still kind of look like a pencil, but like now I'm kind of like a, a broken pencil. Um <laughs> but I, I think girls have that thing in their mind where it's either you're sexualized and and, and men are taking advantage of you or men are saying disgusting things to you, like in the case of mm-hmm. Sandra, or you feel as though, well, you're not woman enough because, you know, maybe I should be having sex and maybe I should mm-hmm. be looking a certain way and maybe I should be. So I think our Nigerian heritage puts those things in your head where it's like, don't have sex until you're married, but also your whole life's worth is to be a wife to somebody someday. And so therefore... Yeah whenever the whenever you grow boobs or whenever you do this like you are now a woman mm-hmm. so crazy so crazy i can think of like 10 10 different incidents in my head where a nigerian adult has i feel in my opinion i would count it as sexualized me that's by a saying a word or by doing something that, hmm? you look i said that's gonna be a whole nother episode we should just label it nigerian, <laughs> nigerian male assault it's yeah. so many issues wrong with our community. And I just don't know why they keep putting it under the rug. Like, we need to talk about these things. And it's very annoying when you have a bunch of elder, older Nigerians who are just like, I don't want to hear it. Like, it's the culture. Mm-hmm. It's the way we do things. Don't talk about it. Ignore it. And then you have your mom who's like, oh, your uncle's in the house. Go and put on more clothes. Go and put on a, a leg. Because Go and they put know. on a long top. Because you they know. know. They know. It's not even just Nigerians. It's just black people. If you ever have been in a black home or just, well, a home where your parents know better and they tell you go put on more clothes or go put on that one outfit that covers you a little more because that one family member is at home, they're protecting you. And you might think, why, mom? Like, it's my house. And like I'm you're doing here. the like, most. I'm, right. Stuff, like, I'm watching yeah. TV. It's not a big deal. That's like uncle, whatever. But they're telling you, no, go into your room right now and get more appropriate. Go dress more appropriate. And it makes me feel like, why do I have to dress more appropriate? Why can't he just cover his eyes? Like, we need to really <laughs> tell off the adults in the community rather than but how trying can you? to. When they protect those adults by telling you to go change what you're doing to keep that adult basically cognizant. In like, check. It's insane. like, what? <laughs> it's really, it's really. Yeah, it is. And then um, before we even um, 
round up this topic and go into our uh, other stories. Um, I'm going to state a, a simple fact here of the general statistics in the United States, and then we'll move on to, um, you know, our, our notorious DMV uh, topic. <laughs> but um, so one stat that I found in general was like general rape and sexual assault statistics in the United States. Um, has nearly one in five women in 18.3% and one in 71 women in the United States have been raped at some point in their lives, including complete forced penetration, attempted penetration, and alcohol or drug facilitated completed penetration. And I don't even know why there's all these groups, but that's how disgusting people are, where, where it's like they can try, they drug you, they really get it done. And at, at the end of all this, I don't even want to know, like, I don't know if we have the percentage of the women who actually report it. Because women are so afraid of reporting rape because one, they tell you you're either lying, you have no support from friends and family who tell you, let it go, get therapy, you'll be okay. Or if you're reporting somebody that's popular, known, or loved by the community, it's even more difficult because then you'll be seen as a tyrant. You'll be seen right. as that girl who ruined that other person's career, not as the woman who was raped or assaulted or forced by that person. In fact, you will now be the negative aspect of the whole issue when you are the one who was raped and you are the one with the trauma. And I think that whole thing stops a lot of women from reporting the issue. And a lot of women just don't think they're going to be believed. So they don't even bother. They think, mm -hmm. well, if I report it, it's, I'm going to have to stay, stay in front of court. I'm going to have to show up all these things I'm, uh, I feel bad about. I'm going to have to be grilled about it. I might not even win the case. They might still turn me out this is the bad guy what's the point like i'll just go get some therapy i'll pray about it i'll be okay it happened it happens to some people right. it's okay and they move on and it, it never becomes a thing again and out of the rapes that being reported do you know how many more are not reported at all and never discussed yeah. like so many more it's, yeah. it's so many more but yeah you take the floor Dwayne. continue with that. no i mean i had an answer for you with the reporting and how often it gets mm -hmm. reported i don't know about the general oh, right. pop population but for black women for every 15 black women that are raped only one of them reports the crime. Oh, Jesus. 14 right. more just go into a traumatic episode right. and just deal with PTSD. Mm -hmm. Because of all true. the reasons that you stated, because of the stigma that it carries and, and all the baggage that they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their lives with, with not mm -hmm. being believed and being told right. that they're lying like like we said earlier in the episode black women are less likely to be seen as innocent we're more likely to be objectified and 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 we've always been seen as the vessel for men's desires so yeah they see us it's as really hard to con girls. with all those things they don't against see us you. as professionals they don't see us as bosses yeah. as leaders as owners it's, they it's see hard us as to video girls with big yeah, butts yeah. and boots Start to convince people that you had nothing to do with a man's inability to con control himself, you know, and like over, <laughs> you know, over 18% of African-American women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. And this is only based on the number of people who have actually reported their abuse. Mm -hmm. So that's how they can estimate, but it's going to be so, so much more than 18% of African-American women, because like we said, 15 people get raped. Only one person reports it. They right. tally up their numbers, crunch numbers, come up with the stat statistic and say 18% of African-American women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. But in reality, right. we know that this number is so much greater, you know, at it least is. 14 times what is being reported. <laughs> exactly. And then you made a note here that the sexual violence in the United States uh, disproportionately impacts women of color, immigrant women, LGBTQIA plus women, and disabled women. And yep. you notice these are women that are minorities in the population. <laughs> yep. So basically as a minority-based woman or just in the LGBTQ plus um, society, you are already a victim just by being in that 
circle, you are already a victim and right. more likely to be raped, assaulted, or harassed. And that's right. just, you know, just being yourself basically puts you at risk. And, you know, that's just disgusting. That is very dis- disheartening to hear, unfortunately. But this is a society we live in, and we are trying to <laughs> get people aware of what, what they're in, in for. So you don't just live your life under an umbrella thinking nothing else around you exists because these things are prevalent and very relevant and a big, big problem. So um, do you want to state any more facts or should we just jump into the DMV rape? <laughs> um, let's jump into Topic. the DMV rape. So we all live in the DMV, the D, um, District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia area, and we kind of group it all together. We don't count Baltimore because it's another state. So now Vanessa can tell us more about how. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so about, about a week and a half ago, this case sprung up on Twitter and it was called DMV Rapists. Um, a couple of days later, another page sprung up called DMV Abusers. And this page was essentially um, mostly women, some men were in there, reporting their assault, um, harassment, and, and rape um, from men in the DMV. And what they would do is they would send in their stories anonymously and they would put the person's social media um, handle in there that raped them. Or maybe they would just say the person's name or, you know, if the person was notorious in the area, it would just say, oh, you know, the guy that throws parties. And overwhelmingly, the 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 men that were called out on these on these pages were men in a position of some kind of power or some kind of local celebrity in the sense that they were throwing parties, they were rich, they had like hustles, they were really, they were influencers of some, of some sort. And the women, obviously they were anonymous and so they wouldn't say who they were. And sometimes they were bold enough to say who they were and say, this is my story. And over and over and over again, you saw in the stories, it's like, this guy, when I went to this party, this guy took advantage of me. It was always like, I went to this party, we were drunk and he put his hands down my pants. Or I went to this party and or I dated this guy and there was violence in the relationship. And then afterwards, he drugged my name through the mud. Like, stories that we become so familiar with and we see time and time and time again. And it really started a discussion on my timeline about, you know, is that the right way to report sexual abuse, sexual assault, and, you know, should these men be spared, you know, their reputations and things. And it got me really upset because I was thinking to myself, why do we feel that the reputation of these men is more important than this survivor sharing their story? Because all the statistics that you read, one in 14 women report, 18% of women are going to face um, sexual domestic violence in their lifetime. Why do you think that why do you think that number one, they didn't already report or they tried to report and were blocked or maybe they didn't deal with their trauma because this is such a hostile environment. This is such a hostile society for a woman to come out and say, this thing happened to me. We see it time and time and time again. We see it with R. Kelly with like this man has been caught on video and mm-hmm. people are still rocking with him, still still playing his music. I believe Uncut Fly was the greatest song ever. Like people are still doing stuff like that. You see it with Brett Kavanaugh, where this woman who was an accomplished woman who had nothing to gain from calling out um, Justice Brett Kavanaugh saying that this man assaulted me. It was like, well, it was 30 years ago and you, there's no proof and blah, 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 blah. Like there is nothing we see in the media that says, I can come forward and tell my story and I will be accepted. And that's why women don't tell their story. And that's also why 
when another woman is brave enough or for whatever the circumstances are, she comes forward. That's why more women come on and say, you know, that happened to me too. And that overwhelmingly was happening on DMV rapist page. Right. So you see when you put on magnifying glass to it and you scale it, it can be a celebrity or it could be your best friend. Like women are more comfortable coming forward when they know that they're going to be protected. And so some things happened where, you know, most of the guys, they just wouldn't say anything or they would come out and they would deny the allegations. Um, but overwhelmingly, what I was noticing was that in my mind, I was like, I'm glad these women are coming forward. I'm glad that they're saying something, but I know this is going to blow over and it'll be like nothing happened. And so you had all these social justice warriors, which is what I call them saying, oh, if your rapist is on my page, let me know. I'll never speak to them. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. And 10 days or so have passed since this has happened. And the guys that were called out are on there like nothing ever happened. You have you have even women in their pages saying, oh, I'm so glad you bounced back. Like, I'm so, you know, so happy to support you. Like, you know, we got your back, blah, 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 blah. Pick me's. And I, I don't even know that it's pick me's, but I think it's because we don't have this conversation enough. Like, we don't take our friends to task. We believe that our mm-hmm. friends are would never do that. I would never associate myself with somebody like that. And that's a lot. Rapists don't have a look. They don't have, just like women who are abused don't have a look. There's no kind of dressing that you can do that's going to make it okay for someone to take advantage of you like that. Racist, rapists don't have a look. And so when I was seeing so many men saying, oh, that's my friend. I don't, I don't hang out with guys like that. So that would never happen. I'm like, that's a lie. (laughs) That is a lie. I know your friend and I know the way your friend acts and you will be surprised to learn. Mm -hmm. So I don't even think that it's a pick me or not believing. I think it's because we're scared to have these conversations and we're scared to hold people accountable. And so things like this just blow up out of proportion. And And it made me, I don't know. I think I was so, I was so in tune with that conversation because it made me think about a time where Something happened to me. I wasn't raped, but I was, for lack of a better term, I was assaulted at a party um, violently. And I wanted to say something, but I just didn't feel like I was in a position to say anything. Um, And you both were at this party. This happened last summer. Um, Yeah, I mean, you said something at the party, but that probably prompted you not to even do anything further because it wasn't much of a support there at the party. Yeah, there was no support. So. I, I don't want to go into too much in depth with it because I already talked about it on another podcast. But essentially, um, doing you were there, you and Nasa had this argument with this guy. He was kind of being like just a macho, like toxic yeah. man. Yeah. And he was supposed to be the bodyguard <laughs> doing the most. <laughs> enough, like when I when I first walked into the party, because I wasn't drunk. By the time I got there, people were already having a good time. They were already like maybe buzzed or tipsy. But I had just come from a date. So I, I was fine. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't really drinking. Right. And I went over to the bar to get a drink. And the guy who in question said something to me and was like trying to chat me up. But I didn't really like. I was polite, but I didn't really engage because I came with a man to that party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I left and, you know, other things happened at the party. People were having fun. People were dancing. People were doing whatever. And then I, I noticed that there's a little bit of a, um, a an argument going on between Doyen and our other friend and this man. And 
I can see that Doyen is visibly upset. She keeps saying toxic masculinity. You can't talk to women like that. Um, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like, okay, the best thing for them to do in this situation is just to separate themselves from him because this guy's not going to learn about himself and he's not going to learn about toxic masculinity at this party. And so they, I didn't even have to step in. They did that on their own. Doyen and the other friend left the, um, left the living room. They went out, outside. He just gets upset that these women were audacious enough to talk to him and he's like i don't know who those bitches think they are like i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna tell them that if there's if there's one more thing they're out of this house they're out of this house like i don't care who those bitches are like and it's blah, not blah, his blah. house y'all it wasn't even his house it wasn't even his house <laughs> that was the craziest craziest part to me because i knew the guy whose house it was and i'm like who is this person why is he being so like and and doing and my other friend they are literally like five four five four. <laughs> and this guy is like six something oh, so above like, six feet probably like seven he was giant power <laughs> the power dynamic is is already off and so Doyna and my friend leave peacefully and this guy's so so upset that I guess these women had talked to him in this manner and so he's like I'm gonna go out there I'm gonna tell them who's what time it is like those bitches can't be up here I don't know who the fuck they think they are he's like being like very 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 aggressive and people are trying to say you know what it's okay they left it's fine like leave it alone leave it alone I'm in front of the um the sliding door and I'm like there's no need to go out there like those are my friends like and I was it wasn't even like I was talking over him or yelling at him or anything i'm like there's no need to go out there those are my friends like they're upset and you're you're both drunk if you go out there you know it's not gonna be it's it's just not like just leave it alone this everyone was saying this i was saying this to me trying to be the voice of reason and we could see it in his eyes his eyes just kind of sort of glazed over and oh, man. how dare a woman talk to me <laughs> with reason <laughs> and i was standing in, and i wasn't even standing in front of the door as to guard him from getting the door i was just standing in front of the door because that's where i was standing and because i was in his way he literally took his elbow up and elbowed me in the throat to get out of the way so so much the, so much to the point where i like fell backwards a little bit and i'm i'm five ten and a half so i'm not small either so you that just shows you how much force was in his like hit. And on. don't forget, I was behind you throughout the whole process. That, I had a drink in my hand. The drink spilled on me. Sandra was behind me. The drink spilled on Sandra as well. And the man was still trying to like it. Like that's when and that's when he I was pushed his way out the door. Not he pushed all of us back. And all the friends were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And that's how I know that it wasn't in my head. Like, all the friends were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then I was so, I, that had never happened to me before. I was so irate. I threw my drink back in his face. I was like, who do you think you are? And that's when I got upset. And then people are holding me back. People are holding him back. And, um, oh my gosh. That's how I know that. Like, he was, yeah, it went he was a very toxic point. person, or he people is a very toxic it. person. And, it went left. And, and then they kicked us out of the party pretty much. And then she was going that's not even what surprised me that this guy was aggressive it was the fact that there were so many people in the room that saw it and they were just like it is what it is you know how these things go like i literally went to the bar like i i, I like i at first i calmed down because i was like okay this is one person like that's crazy like i can't believe this happened i'm fine like i'm not like i'm not bruised or anything and i went to the bar to talk to the bartender who i spoke to earlier i was like whoa like did you see that he's like yeah you know how these things are like i saw everything that's crazy like you know but you know just Leave him alone. Let it go. And then there was a woman standing next to him. I was like, and I told him, like, how can people behave like that? Like, why would he do, why, why would he throw a drink on me? Why would he push me like that? And the girl next to him was like, who do you think you are? 
And I looked at, and I was Excuse like, me? Uh, this is the Twilight Zone. <laughs> this is yeah. the Twilight Zone. And that whole time, all I wanted to do was leave the party because obviously I didn't, I didn't want, like, I didn't want to be there anymore. And I think the guy's sister came and was like, I saw everything that happened. I can understand why you're so upset. You know, I'm sorry that happened, but please don't call the cops. Like, you know, we want the party to keep going. Like, saying all this while him <laughs> friends are still coming after me trying to literally hit me like they were like we don't care and and i think multiple people said oh wow you hit a woman you hit a woman and they were just like i would hit a woman i don't care they were so blazing about it and this is someone who did not provoke this man i didn't do anything to this man you can't say we had any sort of relationship or anything and mind you 45 minutes before you were chatting to me trying to get my number and so it's like and a couple of minutes before that, he was trying to fight a couple of meatballs. So it's like, exactly. <laughs> what I learned from that situation was that if I wasn't there, what I would have said, oh, you should call the cops or you should have done something. That's what I would tell anybody. But I was physically there at that point. And it's like, I knew why it was so hard because number one, it kind of seemed like everyone at the party, both the people that were being assaulted and the people that were saying like, nobody wanted the cops to be involved. Number two, I had, I came there with a the guy and the guy was, the only, I think the only person that I could say at the moment had my back because, but in his version of having my back is fighting and that's not what I wanted either. And so if I called the cops, like it's a black, it's black people, you know how cops act around black people. Mm-hmm. And number three, it's like the women, the women that should have my back were just like, please don't call the cops. Like, I saw it. It's bad. You know, we're going to talk to him, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that was a cut and dry case. Like, I was minding my business. I was assaulted. There are witnesses. But I didn't even feel confident in the fact that I would, the cops would come and people would would say, oh, this is what happened. I felt like everyone would, would switch their story. For somebody who was so blatantly abusive and aggressive, and it led me to think, how many other times has this happened? And so when I was looking at the DMV rapist page, and not long after the DMV abusers page came on, where women talked about like actual domestic violence that's happened with them, it's like, we keep giving these men passes because we don't want anything to happen to them. But that what that's saying is that we're okay with things happening to us. And I, for one, I'm not okay with that. Like, mm-hmm. if something I, I don't regret many things in this life, but I always think back to that day. Like I should have just done it anyway. Maybe he wouldn't have gone to jail. Maybe nothing would have happened, but at least I would have felt like I did something. He probably would have went to jail. He was way too macho. He, he would, probably would have yeah. tried to prove a and point he wasn't right from there this stage. But it's, like, it's still just like, even if worst case scenario, nobody believed me, at least I would have known that I tried to do something as opposed to now where like, I didn't try to do anything. That guy got away scot free. The person never called to apologize to me. It's like, I felt like no one had my back because if it wasn't that party, if it was a different party and there were no strings attached, like I, mm-hmm. I would think about it. And yeah. Like I said, I think the thing that even upsets me the most is that I knew that guy as well. He has my number. And that's another creepy, sketchy guy that has also been like, oh, I would like to know you on another level. I would, like, <laughs> you know, I want to do all these things with me, but you can't even call me the next day and say, hey, are you okay? And he was calling everybody else. Like he called Sandra. Yeah. Apparently he, called the, like he called everybody else, but he didn't call me. Because right. at, at the party, I made sure before I left that party, I made sure to tell him that guy hit me and everybody saw it like i i'm there was no there was no kind of like mm-hmm. as to what happened if he didn't believe me it's because he willfully didn't want to believe me and he, i heard he was still calling around to find out what happened but he never actually called the person in question 
to find out right. what happened. And even when people, when men were coming, like physically trying to stick up for their friend and come at me, like he was there, he saw that as well. And so I don't care about your party. I don't care about your house. I don't care about how you feel about this situation. Like what's the right thing to do is to really get authorities involved because that just shows the kind of person that you are and the kind of people that you hang around. And I don't need to be around that. And I don't need, I, but what I can also do is stop that from happening to other people. And so mm-hmm. I'm not confident that that's not going to happen to other people just because of the way they were so cavalier about the whole thing. Yeah, right. for sure. For sure. So I think the biggest thing for me is to have these conversations with my child and to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm being super involved in their lives. I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to hundred percent means that, there's no chance it could ever happen, but mm-hmm. I think that that would f- would foster an environment where my child would feel comfortable talking right. to me, and right. and, I and knowing when something is wrong. I want my child to right. know when something is wrong. Right. So that's basically all we can do in summary, since we're all on the same page with that. Is we can't really go in, you know, in the in the past and change what might happen in the future. But what we can do is foster an environment where if something was to happen, you know, give them all the information and you know, whatever they can do on their part to be aware of what to look out for and also to um, to open up the space where something was to happen, they can come to you and uh, facilitate that process and make it a less traumatic experience for them. God forbid that it does happen. Um, so with that mm-hmm. being said, we're going to go into our resources. So I'll let Dwayne take the floor and um, let us know what, where and how you can get help and where to look for it. I mean, this is a difficult one. We really just said like, there's <laughs> really not much you can do about this um, except for mm-hmm. I'm just kind of start having those conversations. We'll leave mm-hmm. a couple links um, in our mm-hmm. notes just so that you guys can find where we got our data from. If you want to read up a little bit on it, they're all in there. Um, but right. the two main things you can, or three main things you can do is just, first, you can donate and support organizations that are bringing awareness to the matter. Um, some of them are Black Women's Blueprint, Right for Girls, and Sister Love. There's There are so many more. Um, and I believe it's listed in one of the links um, that will be in our notes. And then the other thing you can really do is edu- educate yourself in the statistics in the matter so that you can start having discussions with this about around people that you know and love, around others that might be ignorant to the topic. It, I mean, the more you educate yourself and the more that you know about it, the more that you can share. Um, and lastly, seek therapy if you have ever been in a situation where you were sexualized assaulted or abused right yes so yeah i think we covered all of our main points today and you you heard our experiences um from everyone's perspective as you can see we all had different you know stories different experiences different places time years but it happens to the best of us it happens to the worst of us I mean, the percentage is so high, it's pretty ridiculous. And as Black women, we're more prevalent. So um, if you're listening to this and this has happened to you, please check our notes, our description for help. And if it's not happened to you, please, please, I hope you take everything we took that we said into consideration and just be careful. Not everybody's looking out for you. <laughs> and not everybody will help you when you expect them to help you if something like, mm-hmm. like this was to happen. So just keep in, you know open eyes for all these things and I hope that our conversation today opened your eyes as well and fosters a a room for conversation with other people in your life about this there's one thing I want to add actually about therapy a lot of people don't know this is that um, if you feel as though it's inaccessible to you and you can't afford it if you have a job oftentimes you have an employee assistance program and you can use that resource it doesn't always have to be about work-related things, but most jobs as part of their, as part of their benefit package, if they offer health insurance, they also 
offer an employee assistance program where you can talk to a counselor about these sorts mm -hmm. of issues and it's totally free. Oh, okay. Well, there you go, guys. So that's another thing. I if you can't afford it. something to add. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do no it has nothing to do with resources on a more personal note we all shared an anecdotes about ourselves and things that have happened to us one of the things that came up is Vanessa shared her story and I didn't know that within this time span that Vanessa was feeling unsupported um mm. or like we didn't have her back even though we were all in the same situation we were all in the mm -hmm. same place at the same time so I do want to take this time to apologize to Vanessa for feeling like as a friend I didn't have her back or as a group of friends we did not have her back that's never the intention right. and the reason that we have these conversations is so that we can grow from it and that next time right. if something yeah. like this were to happen we know the best right. way to support our friends all right thanks guys I guess right. our producer's kicking <laughs> us off so yep right. thanks for I'm listening guys <laughs> he see you next time our...